passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the long and winding railroad. My name is W.H. Park, and this is, of course, the show here at Post Wrestling that looks at the, uh, the, the you know, I, I'm going to say it because of our guest today, the, the must-see matches of All Japan Pro Wrestling in the 90s. And the reason I use that phrase is because my guest today is the co-host of a really great podcast that I think a lot of people who like this particular show should check out. It's called Must See Matches. And uh, one of the co-hosts of that has been a guest on this show and, and has contributed to post-wrestling. No stranger to people who are fans of post-wrestling. That's Mark Buckledy. But uh, I'm, but the other person who does the show with Mark is Kieran LaFord, and he's joining us today. Hello, Kieran. How are you? I am fantastic. It's a lovely, gloomy day in London, but I've closed my curtains so I can't see it, and I've come to talk wrestling with you. Oh. Thank you so much. So, uh, as of this day recording this, I I am about like two two and a half hours away from having a having dinner with uh, with Mike Murray and my good friend and 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 John Pollock, and because we are going to go see Game Changer Wrestling here in Toronto, and uh, and I will be doing a show with John Pollock uh, post for a show later on uh, that people might might be released before this show is released. Actually, the way you know. <laughs> podcasting works uh but uh, i'll be giving my live thoughts about that show with john on that particular episode of post perez so stay tuned for that or go look for it if you know since it's probably going to be released before this show anyways uh kieran like tell us about what what is must see matches what is the purpose of this particular podcast venture you do with mark uh, so the Musty Matches project, it was a brainchild of Mark. Uh, he set up a fresh Twitter account and he basically said, um, wrestling fans, send me a list of up to 25 matches that you think other fans should see. Uh, and there was a cutoff date of March 31st, 2022. At the time, I wasn't working. So I came in to help tabulate all this stuff and build the build the spreadsheet. Uh, track down the matches or at least records of them. And in some cases, making sure they actually happened. Like I spent several hours trying to work out if Tommy Rich really was in Puerto Rico on a particular day in 1987. Um, uh, Mark was then just going to put the data out and maybe write some articles. And I went, well, hang on. You've done all of this work. Podcasting is the, the thing at the moment. If we don't make a show about this, someone else is going to take all of this data and do it themselves. So we decided we'd do a podcast. And the idea is... Every week we run down a match from the top. It was going to be the top 100, but the way the maths worked out, it's actually the top 104 uh, of what, over 1,000 nominated, unique nominated matches that we got. So every week we talk about one of these matches uh, and we're going from um, the of that 104, the ones with the least nominations up to the one that got the most nominations. 
uh, the match that got the most nominations. Uh, it's no secret because Mark's put the list out. It's Bret Hart versus Steve Austin from WrestleMania 13. Um, and that Bit of got it. that got 32% of nominations. So one third of the people who responded nominated the match. Is here. Yeah. Um, so uh, we talk about a match each week. We usually with a guest on. It's usually someone who nominated the match so they can talk about why they think it's must see. Um, or like an expert in a particular field, uh, and we break down the match, talk about the context, we talk about what makes it must-see, or sometimes even if it is still must-see, which in some cases, you know, some wrestling ages better than others, the same way some music and some movies age better than others. Um, and that's it. It's like it's, it's an incredibly diverse list with WrestleMania main events, to 80s Joshi to Ring of Honor to uh, Futen Bachi Bachi. Um, it's uh, exploding death matches in, in Japan, uh, and we've had WHs come on, uh, podcasters like um, Alan Forel and Dylan Fox, Strigger from Cage Match, um, WXWCO Felix Kohlenberg has come on, uh, Joshi experts like Alex from Berubara Tag Boom, Sarah Parkin, and some current wrestlers, including um, Daniel Carbe came and talked to us. Um, yeah, so it's a fun time. Available every week, wherever you get your podcasts. I've got a friend who yes. calls that my ex like, and I usually do it at the end of a show. <laughs> Okay. I just want to say, like, we might have had some uh, uh, cutting out of, we, I think we're having some, a little bit of problems here. But is like the, like Karen said, the basic concept is they have this list of historical matches throughout, throughout the history of wrestling. Him and Mark bring it on every weekend and talk about it in depth. And I've been a guest on it. And a lot of people who've been on this show have been on. Uh, I was looking at you. Definitely, your I, I always look forward. We have a heck of a crossover when it comes to guests. Yes, I think uh, it helps that uh, uh, you know people like to do retro shows. I feel you know mm. they don't necessarily want to talk about wrestling today. They want to talk about oh the wrestling <laughs> I came up with or the wrestling I grew up with and the wrestling well, that maybe I think is actually better than stuff today. <laughs> well, the reasons I really enjoy it is I'm discovering new stuff. So I had not seen uh, any of like the eighties uh, Joshi stuff we're talking about and watching, like I'd never seen the, the, um, the, the famous dump and Chickasin Nagayo hair match. Uh, and like that made the list and I got to watch that. And that's just like an incredible, that's basically a, a self-contained half hour television program. That's just an incredible watch from start to finish. And so that's what I really enjoy about not just reliving my youth and, and getting to talk about the stuff. Cause I submit Mark and I submitted lists as well. It's not just getting to stuff, talk about the stuff i know i like but also discovering new stuff i think for me that's also like kind of as as a listener of that podcast that that i like is like oh okay they're gonna talk about this i should I, they have a link you guys have usually have a link for where to find the match i'm gonna we go try watch to, it. Like if it's publicly available yeah. on youtube we try to put a link uh, a link up as well yeah um and then yeah i'll listen to like i'll watch it and then i'll and try to listen to you and your guests talk about you know whatever the match is. I, I think for me, like one of my blind spots is actually '90s Joshi and, mm. and '80s Joshi as well. But like that's where that's but '90s is more where I, I would like to kind of explore more of as a priority you know, versus like the decade earlier. But mm. uh, I I think you guys are doing a great job. I think it's it's nice eclectic list. I that's what I like about it. It's not just Japanese, it's not just American, it's not just Mexico. It's it's everywhere. You got you see you you maybe Puerto Rico, you, you said you you're researching uh, yes, the, the Puerto Rico stuff got nominated, but I don't think any of it made the top one oh four that we're gonna be talking about, unfortunately. Okay. 
Did, did Tommy Rich wrestle in Puerto Rico in that particular uh, saying yes, because I can't find that he didn't. Like he definitely okay. did around that time, but I don't know if he did on the specific date that was mentioned. Because like a lot of people will have nominated stuff with like the TV air date on it rather than the taping date, which ah, was confusing okay. for some stuff. Um, yeah, so that was like part of my job was I basically played internet detective. I called myself Headlock Holmes, and I went around the internet trying to find out, you know, if this stuff happened, when it happened, where it happened, all that kind of thing, making sure they were all. Yeah, real. I like that. I'm also like that with like. You know, finding footage. Like mm. I, you know, oh, I, 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 where should I look? And then I'll ask you know, the different people, like, where, where mm. do I find this? I'll go to this site. This, this site has it, and mm. what have you. But, um, but yes. So today, let's talk about. We're going to talk about a match from 1999 that you picked. Uh, what, what is the match we'll be talking about, Karen? The uh, so I actually found out today it's the Champion Carnival final in 1999. I didn't know this when I picked it. <laughs> Uh, it is Vader versus Kenta Kabashi from uh, is it April fifteenth or sixteenth? Sixteenth, right? Uh, April sixteenth, nineteen ninety nine. It is the the finals of that year's Champion Carnival tournament, and it, it kind of um, you know kind of like is a is a capping off of the, a, a really good year for mm. for Vader. Um, you know the the thing we have to keep in mind, like you know he up up until nineteen ninety the late nineteen ninety eight, he had been in the WWF for about two years. Mm. Um, he had a very, I would say as a fan, a very disappointing run in that company. Oh, completely. So I've been a Vader fan since I first saw him on 1992 WCW. Like that was the the wrestling of my youth. Like that was what was on free TV here in the UK. Um, like you had to have a satellite or cable to watch the WWF. And to me, like growing up on British wrestling as I did, that was just a colorful circus. Like WCW had people who, could actually do wrestling moves as opposed to just punched and posed, which was what I saw WWF as as a kid. And one of the things I really liked about it was Vader. Like he was this, like, you know, Sting was flashy and colorful and, you know, Rick Rude was a cocky badass and Brian Pillman could do all the flying. Vader just clobbered people into the mat. And the, as a 13-year-old, I found that very, very appealing. And then I found out about his past in Japan. And then, like, the next year, he went, oh, by the way, I can also do a moonsault. And, like, for, like, 1993, he was probably my favorite wrestler in the world. I mean, that's a those pretty prime years. This is like, yeah. that's I refresh my memory. That's is that when he's WCW champion. Yes. Yeah. And he's, and he's doing the series with sting and yep. feuding with like Mick Foley and yep. they do the Ron Simmons title change. Right. Um, yeah. And like he would very, even as world champion, he would still have a squash on worldwide every, cause that was the show we got every two or three weeks. He would appear and flatten sometimes one job or sometimes up to three, um, and like the Vader squash was a, a highlight the same way, like the Sid squash was for people, you know, uh, uh, two or three years before. A lot of people got beat up on WCW television. Like if you take into account oh, yeah. Vader squashes, squ- Sid squashes and the Steiner brother squashes, a lot of people got legit beat up in that company. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's glorious. I love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like, you know, like we talk about his time in the WBF, like you think I'm thinking when he's going, he's going to come at all. God, he's going to feud with, Everyone, he's gonna have like a he's gonna do what with Shawn Michaels, what he did with Sting. No, that didn't happen. No, I think because he got lost politically in that company, he didn't have any. I thought I'd probably Jim Ross, who wasn't enough, he he didn't have enough, like you know, enough political uh acumen to to navigate the WWF of the of the uh, the mid 90s. Also, I think 
came from a harder style into a place that was a lot softer. So like the WWF of 1996, nobody's making contact on punches. Nobody's like really chucking each other around. Um, the rings of like pre-1999 WWF rings were rock solid. And it was only once Vince started taking bumps in them, he was like, we have to make these into trampolines. Um, so like they weren't used to getting like roughed up by somebody like Vader. Whereas, you know, the WCW was only just no longer the NWA spit and sawdust, wasn't it? Like in 92, 93. Yeah. It was like so a he... different type of show. I mean, like, what, what are, where is it? Like, some things that have, like, I, I mean, I think he, he tried to have a pretty decent series with The Undertaker. I think, you know, this, this stuff, anything he tried mm. to do with, like, Mick Foley, they tried to recreate their magic in WCW, but it wasn't happening. Then he got, what was it? Where, where did he get arrested for attacking the TV show host? Oh, Kuwait. It, Kuwait. He got arrested yeah, in Kuwait. The Kuwait tour in 96, yeah. And and this is when, also when the WWF is obsessed with making bigger men, uh, uh, go on diets and lose yeah. weight because yeah. of Yokozuna, yep. you know, like his health problems in the company. And they were like, so he, he has to deal with that as well. Politically backstage is like, and there's that famous time he's like, loses the match and he goes, I'm a fat bastard takes off his mask, I think. And yeah, it's just like really shocking. It's just pre attitude era. So you're not usually used to seeing, hearing people like say like, you know, shit or anything like that, or, yeah. you know, like ass or anything like that, let alone shit. So in in up until 1998, he's in the WF. Um, there is uh, there is like a time he does like a special appearance for All Japan Pro Wrestling on their 25th anniversary show at the Tokyo Dome. That's headlined by the very famous Masawa uh, Kawada match, where Kawada beats Masawa and wins the title from him. Um, he's teaming with his longtime rival and Hansen, the men in the. His, you know, spans like years. Uh, Aisley knocks out in another um, and so like a big like he was in, and they and they took on a team of Johnny Ace and uh, Ken Kobashi, who are the mm-hmm. you know uh, global epic tough uh, team, and this is the May first, nineteen uh, ninety-eight show of All Japan, but he's still contracted to the WWF. At this time, this is kind of a favor, I guess, that Vince allowed him. I also think Vince didn't really care if you did this one-off show. He was kind of out a bit because, like, 97, he and Shamrock did a match in FMW. Um, there was, like, there was at a point, don't forget, 1998, Vince is still not winning Monday night in the U.S. So he's way more open to working with other people. So you get stuff like, the the ECW invasion, you get his talent being loaned out to Japan and that kind of thing. Um, like, like he was still in the the two years of getting stomped by Nitro every Monday night, right? And like, so he's not in, this, this is the WWE castle, is he? At that point, no, he's he's. I mean, he's putting over tons of people. He's like like he's just a job guy, a glorified yeah. job guy. I mean, his Pretty last much. television match is on uh september 29 1998 he loses uh, to mark marrow of all people in less than five minutes and that's his on 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 monday night raw and that's his last appearance for wf and then it's not until uh you know like late later in 98 that he debuts they announced that he's going to join all japan pro wrestling and i'm 
you know, I to much fanfare because it's like the re- not only is it the return of Vader to Japan as you know as touring the con- the country again, but he's doing it now for all Japan Pro Wrestling because before, of course, he was a New Japan star. He was also in the UWFI, but he had never really done anything for for Giant Baba, and this is the first time he's going to do. Well, not like first full-time thing he's going to do with guys who were like, you know, people I'm sure were like salivating at dream matches. Oh, Masawa versus Vader, Kawada versus Vader, Kobashi versus Vader, Tawei versus Vader and the such. So this is it. He's, he's, he's going to join all Japan. Uh, This is about a month after the WF leaving the WF and he enters the uh, real world tag league with, uh, you know, a lot of, like I said, a lot of fanfare, a lot of hype because he's going to be teaming again with stan hansen and this is a great tournament for for vader because he would have uh, him and hansen would defeat the team of kawada and tawei uh takayama no mori no fear misawa and ogawa and in uh, and, and in the the tournament brackets they they would beat akiyama and kobashi and they would go all the way to the finals where they would again meet up with kobashi and akiyama who were like pretty much the push team Mm. in in all japan of of 99 and so but they would lose the finals of the real world tag league to kenakabashi and jun akiyama um so but let's go into 1999 he you know they kawada has the match with misawa he breaks his arm during that match has wrestles for another 17 minutes with a broken arm dumps misawa on his head creating the the famous ganzo bomb power bomb pile driver move uh but he has to relinquish the title a, the day later because he's broken his arm and he can't compete. So um, they have a, a match to determine who's going to be, who's going to win the vacated title. It's him, it's between Vader and Akira Tawe. And uh, yeah, then Vader wins the triple crown uh, title. So he has completed like an amazing, uh, he's one of the few people at that time mm. to have been both the IWGP world table champion and the All Japan Triple Crown Champion. I think he's the first foreigner to have done it. He and I, to you know, I should have looked this up, but I don't think there's any other foreigner who has been both the IWGP champion and the All Japan Triple Crown Champion. If you see me looking off camera, I'm rapidly scrolling through his Wikipedia to find out if it says on there. Yes, uh, yeah. So, like, I, you know, of the various foreigners who have won the trip, the IWGP title, I do not think any of them have ever been the triple crown champion, unless there's some missing uh, Brock Lesnar uh, title reign that I see out on. But uh, he and uh, him and Kobashi, who we're going to be talking about, have their first ever singles match on January fifteenth, nineteen ninety nine, which Vader would win. Which I rewatched uh, again today, actually. So I did a show with uh, Alan Forel last year uh, about Vader, and we basically covered his whole career. Like we even found some of his stuff in Mexico to watch, uh, and we watched uh, Vader versus Kabashi for that. I rewatched that today, and I didn't realize that um, it had been. It, so they set it. It had already been set up, but they put some spice on it in the New Year Battle Royal on the second of January where I don't think those two even get in the ring. Like, they just brawl on the floor, um, and uh, Vader busts uh, Kabashi's eyebrow open. There's blood all over the place. You can hear people getting eliminated in the ring, but the cameras are just focused on those two, like, being pulled apart and battering each other. It's also Vader's first ever singles match in all Japan. So not just the first match between Kabashi and Vader, it's Vader's first singles match in the company as well. I mean, it's very clear that, like, that's who they wanted 
Vader to be programmed with as his biggest rival in the company. Not not necessarily Masao or Kawada. It was going to be Kenny Kobashi because I think stylistically and like even size wise, I think they match up perfectly. Yeah, I think it's the right. It's the uh, the closest you can get to recreating the Vader Sting dynamic. I think, even though like Kobashi is considerably larger than Sting, I think. Uh, like, well, I, I also think he's like the best baby face in the country. Yeah. You know? So I am. I, I I thought it was weird when you asked if I wanted to come on this show because I'm not known as being like a super fan of all Japan pro wrestling. Like, I, there's there's bits I definitely like, but I as as a general style, I kind of struggle with it. Um, but what I am a fan of is Vader, as I've mentioned, and I'm interested in anything he does anywhere. And if I have to pick a pillar. I've always gravitated towards Kabashi because like for me, he's the one who looks most like a star. He's the most charismatic. He's got the fire. He's got the moves. He's got the most expressive face. He feel to me, he is feels as an outsider looking in the most complete of them. If that makes any sense. Yes. I understand. Yeah. So like, I don't see any fire in Miss Hour. I, I like Kawada, but his style is so different to the others and i I will admit like tawe is a big blank spot for me i have only really ever seen him in like undercard six man's choke slamming people and that was about it and like i am aware he has many fans he doesn't exactly have the superstar look does he no but that's part of his appeal for yeah i guess people like me i think and i am discovering that now as i get older but kabashi like when i like i think we talked about it when you you came on our show like you got a a tape that was half new japan half all japan you you gravitated towards the all japan side whereas i had a tape that was half new japan half all japan and i gravitated towards the new japan side but on the all japan stuff like i was always interested in kabashi I mean, he's he is the most accessible. I feel yeah, all the probably, Western, probably, Western yeah. wrestling fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, their second encounter, uh, Kobashi Invader, would occur during the the uh, round robin tournament uh, portion portion of the Champion Carnival on April eighth, and that match would go to a time limit draw because you know, which makes sense because uh, about a week later on April sixteenth, the match we're going to talk about today, um, they would meet in the finals of the champion carnival. So let's go to our review. Let's get, I'm going to give a bit of a background of the, sh- of the show that this match takes place on. It's uh, it takes, uh, it emanates from the Nippon Budokan with a listed attendance of 16,300 fans. And, uh, you know, just for, for context, here's the rest of the card. Uh, in a singles match, Takeshi Morishima defeats Makoto Hashi in 10 minutes and 21 seconds. Uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru defeats Naomichi Marafuji in 11 minutes and 13 seconds. In a six-man uh, comedy match, uh, Haruka Aigen, Masanobu Fuchi, and Siyoshi Kikuchi defeat Mitsuo Momota, Russia Kimura, and Satoru Asako in 13 minutes, 37 seconds. I, I usually think that's uh, anytime any of these uh, old guy comedy matches go more than like five minutes, it's a, it's a bit too long. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I can't imagine having to endure. But, you know, this is like, uh, oh, I'm going to go to the merch stand and get, go to the concession stand and get yeah, it's, it's extending like that. extending the interval, isn't it, really? Yes. Uh, tag team match Jun Izumita and Taman Honda who we've talked about before on this show against Jinsei Suzaki and Hayabusa uh, in this match they defeat the Headhunters Headhunter A and Headhunter B in 6 minutes is and that, 42 seconds not even a, a weirder match than them fighting Shinzaki and Hayabusa like I perversely kind of want to see that 
I mean, I, I, I've never been a big Headhunters fan. I can see why, like, they would be booked by All Japan yeah. because they're so big and like they, they're a know, freak. Show. I think you know, like, ever since, ever since the eighties, I think you know, Road Warriors somehow like, big people coming up, especially in Japan, to fight their name. Like, oh look, guys are so times or something. Team right. Manuakea Mossman defeat Jun Akiyama and Kentaro Sheik in 12 minutes and 50 seconds. Do you have a thought there? Uh, no, I, it's, it's Kentaro Shiga. Uh, I once got trapped in a very large traffic jam with him in the back of the car uh, for seven hours trying to make our way to a show in the UK. Uh, I used to work in British wrestling a long time ago and uh, uh, Shiga and Kishin Kawabata were in the back of the car as we were driving up and it was just non-stop oh. traffic. And uh, Shiga ha- has his very distinct, uh, very gruff voice in the style of... Uh, of um, I can picture him, but I can't think of his name. The fella from New Japan with the big tan. Um, oh, Hanma. Yes, yeah. Like so Hanma. he sounds quite like Hanma. That's it. Thank you. Uh, 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 but he was like, he was very excited to be in, in a car with two English people. So he got to practice his English. Kishin Kawabata speaks no English, but can, uh, we discovered, uh, entertain himself by phonetically singing along to Elvis songs on the radio. <laughs> there you go. Is this when uh, Shika has his like, his uh, perm? This is the point. Yeah, he has his so. like, he was much more. He he was it was much more in the. It was when he was doing like comedy stuff for Noah rather than anything else. Right. Uh, so much later on in his career, I absolutely no idea how he got booked on the tour on the tour of the UK. <laughs> uh, obviously, as a favorite to Masawa. <laughs> yeah, so, maybe. Uh, to to yeah. like okay, I'm gonna come over, but you got to book like these guys on yeah. uh, on one of your shows, yeah. on like over there as well. Yeah, uh, uh, tag team match: Takao Morney and Yoshihiro Takayama defeat Johnny Ace and Johnny Smith in 13 minutes 11 seconds. Uh, Six man tag team match: Masahiro Kakihara, Mitsuhara Masawa, and Yoshinari Agawa defeat Akira Tawe, Jin Shinzaki, and Masao Inoue. Well, what an oddball uh, grouping of talent there! Yeah. In uh, 20 minutes and. 59 seconds and it's this of like course the six guys who were left over really isn't it it, it is this is like a lot of uh japanese booking or 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 ca- ca- kind of like modern day uh uh aw booking is i feel kind of similar uh where should we who should we put in this you know ladder match oh who's not on the card rest of the card let's just put these guys on the show anyways which brings us to our main event which is the champion carnival uh, finals between vader and Kenta kabashi and uh, as the as the the match starts the crowd is Firmly behind Kobashi. And mm-hmm. I want to make a note that joining uh, the regular commentator, whose name always escapes me, is one Toshiaki Kawada. And I have to say, the dulcet tones of Toshiaki Kawada adding a lot of insight into various aspects of this match, especially about, uh, you know, like kind of like the, the, um, the, how how Vader is viewed by his okay. by opponents, and like he, you know, he makes comments about like, oh, he, this is how Kobashi trains for the Champion Carnival. He's he's a nut, you know, he's insane when he trains. <laughs> so uh, I my my Japanese is very basic. I'm trying to learn. Um, I did notice that if this was someone different on commentary uh, as to the January match, who was Misawa, who was incredibly dry. Um, the 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 commentator would be freaking out, going like, "Oh, Kabashi's hit him with a brain buster! It's a brain buster, Mister Missile. What do you think?" And he would go, 
I saw their snake, and that will be it. Uh, that was yeah. all you get out of him. Whereas, like, uh, yeah, Kawada was very, he actually sounded like a commentator on this. Um, he's, he's really good, I feel. Yeah. You know? um, like, 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 listen, if Masawa was watching, a, you know, some dirty movie, he, I, I guarantee you, based on his reputation, he would have been way more uh, excited and, and, and animated <laughs> versus watching a, a wrestling match. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, his nickname was the erotic president of Pro Wrestling Noah. <laughs> Well, from now. his appearances on uh, talk shows and stuff like that in Japan, <laughs> maybe a lot of people didn't know that. Maybe a lot of people didn't want to know that. Well, sorry, let the cat out of the bag, so so to speak. All right, so let's get into the match, Kieran. Uh, yeah. Vader gets behind and immediately goes for you know German mm. suplexes on Kobashi. Uh, Kobashi Kobashi switches positions and tries for his own, but Vader uh, backs him into a corner where he starts clubbering him. Uh, I'm, and I'm sure this is the part where you're really happy because this is, uh, you know, this is a Vader signature, just like just laying in with punches and like kind of like the you know the back inside of the, the front. Yeah, of the arm. I, I only found out when I when I did the show with Alan that that's called the Vader Hammer because it's never called that in the US. And I'm like, that's a very cool name for something. He's one of the few people you like uses the inside of his forearm. Yeah. To like, yeah. you know, try to knock people around and and uh yeah, and he, he he does this to Kobashi in the corner and he tries to go for another German, but Kobashi is you know, it's just the thing is it's like it's not even five minutes into the match. It's Kobashi is too fresh to get German suplex, even by Vader <laughs> this early in the match. Uh but Vader tries again, but again Kobashi grabs the ropes. Vader then I thought this was great. Then Vader then switches his strategy and he rolls him up yeah. in a schoolboy. Yeah. Like you never see Vader do that. He just drops down behind as though he's a cruiserweight and tries to roll him up. And I don't think I've ever seen Vader try a schoolboy roll up before. Like he's I, the I would be his heel and he's just going like, okay, I'll just try and pin him. I would be perversely amused if that won the match in like <laughs> under 10 minutes. <laughs> the Champions Carnival final final in, in, in Budokan Hall between Aww. these two legends. Do they have, uh, do they have cushions in Budokan that you can set on fire and throw at the ring? No, no. Cause that's what would happen. Well, pe- yeah. I'm pretty sure people would be like demanding a refund. Oh yeah. Uh, if, the, the, if they only got like less than 10 minutes of, of a champion carnival final with a roll up. But, but again, I, I say perversely amused of that. What would what, what happen? I, I have been to a Noah show at uh, Corican Hall where the main event uh, was a tag team match that barely got in the ring. It was just a brawl all around the building, and the ref threw it out after six minutes. And I swear to God, I thought there was going to be a riot. They had to send Takashi Segura out on the microphone to calm everybody down. It's the only time I felt like that at a Japanese wrestling show. It was so weird. Yeah, you can't do that you can do that like in the middle of the card i don't know they had a big tag match like immediately before it with the big stars in and this was like uh, it was big murakami and i can't remember who else like i like he's a wild guy anyway uh okay i can't remember who the other participants but he's the only one i remember but yeah they had a big tag match with the names like immediately before it why didn't they just swap them over or do that do the double dq before the interval it was so weird sometimes bookers get you know Funny yeah, they they yeah. think they're smarter than they actually are. Yeah. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. 
planning for your tax bills this April so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Anyways, uh, Vader then decides to wear Kobashi down by wrestling him on the mm. mat and, and making him carry his considerable weight. Basically, he gets his back and he and Vader's just trying to, you know, just apply his own body weight to Kobashi's back. And as mm. strong as Kobashi is, is like Vader is what, 300, maybe 290? Yeah. So, so the Vader was always billed at 450 in the US, but like the in the inside line was he was usually about a hundred pounds lighter than that. So he was usually like in the 340 to 350 range. And also, let's not forget right. here, he's 44 years old. That's right. Mm. Uh, Vader tries for a Fujiwara armbar, but Kobashi rolls through. So Vader just transitions into this really nice looking cross chest arm breaker. So like Vader kind of like showing off like, Hey, you know, I've, I learned some stuff when I was in the UWFI. I learned some stuff in the, in new Japan for wrestling, wrestling guys like Hashimoto and, and Keiji Muto. So he, and the he's applying thing, it here. The interesting thing about that move is throughout it's something i noted when i was watching all those matches with alan was like throughout his career that has always been his kryptonite like that's the submission move he goes down to is is the cross arm bar even well, yeah or even before it was like uh takada's big thing and like the killer move of the uwfi if he had to submit in new japan it was very often to the cross arm bar well there you go i mean career weakness against it so the way you overcome a weakness is by mastering it. So Absolutely. That was, his, that was his like uh, strategy here. Uh, Kobashi is too close to the ropes. So when Vader hyper extends his arm, he's able to get his foot on the ropes. Uh, Vader gets Kobashi on the ropes again and goes for a swing. But Kobashi ducks and blocks and starts peppering Vader with slaps. Vader retaliates with his trademark blows. but And they, and they start a nice strike exchange uh, that Vader wins with a headbutt. Uh, he shoots Kobashi to the ropes and runs him over with his entire body. What do you, what do we, is there a name for this? I forget. Yeah, is Vader, the Vader The The what? The Vader attack? A Vader attack where he just basically like jumps in the air, spreads all his arms and legs and then like bashes into somebody. Yeah, they just call it Vader attack. The Fez press? Yeah, the Fez press. Not the jack. Yes, yeah. the Fez press. This is yeah. kind of like that except Vader doesn't go down. He just, you know, just kind of, yeah. he kind of, it's kind of, he doesn't do a press. He just like, yeah, you know, it does the he just runs into a big, press. you know, redwood tree. Yeah. That's right, just exactly. a big redwood tree. That's what he is. Uh, Vader hits his signature short-range clothesline, but Kobashi absorbs them. Actually, he hits a couple of them. Kobashi absorbs mm. them, and this is really now. This is the fans are really getting behind this. They're like, "Oh shit, he's not. He didn't even go down. He's just mm. like taking it all in." So, um, but Vader finally knocks him down with a regular lariat and starts punching him while Kobashi is on his back. Uh, Vader dominates Kobashi in the corner with a series of strikes and blows. So this is basically the Vader control segment. And, and I yeah. always think one of my favorite things of a Vader match is his control segments because he is just, when he gets the upper hand, he's just brutal with people. And it's great I, to watch. I, I uh, uh, long ago compared Vader to if you had shaved a bear and shown it pro wrestling, like this is what you would get. Uh, and like when he's mauling somebody like this, like the Vader hammers and the headbutts and just smothering someone, like that's exactly what it looks like to me. Um, well, you so didn't really have to. 
you don't really have to shave the bear that much. You just have to make no, it. Not, no, just you? like down the middle of the head, I guess. Uh, yeah. So um, around this time, like uh, Kobashi's getting battered by Vader in the corner, and the camera focuses on a bandage on on Kobashi's leg, but that doesn't really come into anything. Like, does he have a kind of serious injury coming into this? Yeah, it's called it's called doing the moonsault for all his career. Oh yeah, fine. <laughs> I, I believe we call it Muto knee. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, no, like the thing with Kobashi is like, he's always had some kind of bandage or like, you know, leg brace yeah. on his knees. Sure. Always like pretty much from the mid nineties, like say, I can't exactly recall when, but by the time he's teaming with Masawa, he's got like, he's got extra, like he's got his knee pads, of course, but he's also got like padding underneath his knee pads. Yeah. So, and then there's a point where it's just like this giant, you know, like, you know, it looks like a tensor band, like a, the tan tensor band on his knee and then there's the point yeah. where he's like got two black ones or one black one on one particular knee but it it's it's you know it's the thing with like if you do a moonsault you're crashing on your knees a lot and it's like you know when you're like 260 pounds like yeah. you know kind of kibashi legit is like it's it's not a good idea to do that many yeah, yeah. well i mean I, and, I, and, I, and you're right kieran yeah like i said there's i know it doesn't play any at all no no go ahead like i I, I watched this and the, and the January match back to back, and like these two guys have a com- a legitimate combined weight of six hundred pounds, and you get five moon salts between them <laughs> across those two matches, which is crazy. It is crazy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Vader whips Kobashi into the opposing corner and hits a running splash, but uh, Kobashi merely comes out with a running lariat for a nice two count on Vader. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kob- this and then Kobashi's basically turned the tide. He drags Vader to the outside and immediately starts punching him, which is a rare thing to see Kobashi do. It was using like closed fist punches and in matches. Uh, and as much as I love Kobashi, I have to say, Kieran, I'm not a fan of his punches. I don't think he's mastered the he's, art of throwing uh, them. Much more of a, a chopper than a puncher, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, so firstly i really love that spot of him getting whipped into the corner he gets crushed with the splash and he just screams and steams out with this lariat that knocks vader down uh, and it's only vader getting his foot on the ropes that saves him um this is uh, the they then go to the floor and that's kind of a callback to january where vader was in control he drags kobashi outside bangs him on the head with a chair and power bombs him on the floor and like this time as you say uh, Kabashi instead has got him against the railing and is beating him on the railing and then pulls up the pads and DDTs him on the concrete. So it's yes. kind of like turnabout, turnabout first play for January. I didn't realize that there was the 30 minute draw in between those two matches. So I don't know if there's any of that that plays into this as well, into this match I, as well. Well, I mean, before he does the DDT on the on the concrete, because mm. he, like you said, he removes the blue mm. mats, he, he, he goes from punching to just then viciously stomping on Vader. Like, he's just like he, I've. It's rare. It's rare that you see Kobashi this vicious. Mm. Like usually, in a lot of the matches he has with the other pillars, he's he's usually the underdog. Mm. You know, um, he's he's fighting from underneath, but and he doesn't really show kind of like that often. I'm not gonna say never, but not that often that he goes to like just stomping somebody, especially on the outside. So it's it's a really kind of like. Uh, I think a, an indicator of like where they want this rivalry to go, that they want mm. it to be a long-term thing going for, you know, like for when Kobashi is obviously slated to be the guy who's going to take over from Masawa. Mm. Cause even in 99, like Masawa's like just feeling it and he's like, well, I don't want to 
necessarily be carrying this company anymore. I'll always be a star, mm. but I don't want to be carrying the company. And he's going to be the book and he's, you know, he's going to take over from when Baba dies um, for a short period. And mm. then it's, you know, like he's like, Kobashi's my guy. I mm. want Kobashi and to if, be my the guy. If the split hadn't happened the next summer, he probably would have been. Oh yeah, like but I mean, once they start Noah, he needs building up to be that again in a new company, or it's perhaps seen that way. The ironic thing is, is like because of the the you know the, the bad blood between Masao and Kawada, like Kawada yeah. doesn't go to Noah, and mm. but Kawada is the guy with the like the least amount of injuries, <laughs> like in terms of like <laughs> that takes him out for a long mm. period of time. Because like if you look at Kobashi and the Kawada in the two thousand early two thousands, like. Kobashi's injured pretty much oh, 80% yeah. of the time. And like can't quadruple wrestle. joint surgery and the cancer and the comeback from cancer. And yeah. then doesn't he come back and then immediately re-injure an elbow he's just had operated on? Yeah, and that kind of, yeah. Something, something like that. But Kawada, Kawada has a pretty lengthy run or like series of runs where he's mm. doesn't get injured that often or he he can still compete. So it's kind of ironic because like I always think it's, it's one of those what-ifs, those sliding doors is like Kawada yeah. goes with them. And Masao pushes him uh, on the same level as Kobashi. Mm. And I think Noah has, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that wouldn't have happened in pro wrestling, Noah. But anyway, we're, we're diverging from our main yeah. point. Uh, uh, Kobashi throws Vader back into the ring and hits a leg drop across the back of his head. Uh, in a very impressive feat of strength, Kobashi gets the big man over for a vertical suplex. Uh, he didn't he didn't do a delay or anything like that, but still, hey, he got Vader over over yeah. his head for a yeah. suplex. He goes to uh, for a mount and tries a ground and pound. Uh, he then goes for a side suplex, uh, hits it and only, but only gets a two uh, off of Vader. Again, still, still too early. I don't think we're we're yet at the crescendo of this match. Uh, oh, not remotely, but like that—that's not the point here. The point is something I noticed and really liked about this match. Every time Kabashi has Vader on his back, he tries to pin him. So Vader's strategy throughout the match is crush him. Like all you, you'll notice like a lot of what he's doing is focused on Kobashi's torso and he's crushing the chest every possible point he can to stop him breathing, hold him down and pin him. Kobashi, on the other hand, is he takes every opportunity when the bigger man is flat backed on the mat to go for a cover. Like just just end this hell, win and go home. Yes. And and get the champion carnival, because like yeah. if he wins the champion carnival, then he's next in line. Yeah for a title shot. Uh, it's Kobashi's turn to take control, and he goes for chops, including a spinning back chop to the face of Vader. He try, he then tries for a sleeper, but Vader's head and neck are, are so much bigger than Kobashi's arms uh, mm. for it to be effective. But uh, Vader turns the tide. With- Kobashi's kind of got Cena arms as well. Like You can't wrap them around anything. <laughs> Oh, well, I, I think even like see, like I'm pretty sure Cena would not have a good time trying to get around Umaga's neck no, you know, and head because he, they're so much bigger. Um, yeah. Sorry, so Va- Kobashi's in control, but Vader turns the tide with an eye poke, mm. uh, some punches, and a short range layer. So now you see kind of like Vader's like, okay, I'm gonna hit to do some some a little bit of underhanded stuff like an eye poke, which you it don't... reminds you it reminds you he's a heel, but it's also targeting the eye that he busted open at the at the battle royal and was a factor in the it was wasn't okay a factor isn't right he was going after it in the January match as well. So in the January match, uh, Kabashi has got uh, it's been stitched. He's got a plaster over it and he's got a bandage around it. Just so you know, he definitely has an injury under there. Um, and Vader. 
uh, I think they were hoping they could pop it open again. Like Vader would just like dig a knuckle into it or, you know, go for the eye or go for the brow. And he starts doing that again here. Yeah, I mean, like talking about all these bandages on Kobashi's head and stuff, it's like uh, pro wrestling, not known for its subtlety when uh, trying to no. <laughs> talk about injuries there. Uh, he jumps down, he, he jumps down, chest wasn't fun to take. <laughs> he, no. he hits and he hits two splashes and only gets a two count here. Uh, he, uh, there's a ground, mounts the second rope for a diving splash, but only gets a two as Kobashi kicks out to the applause of the crowd. And this is where a big, big Kobashi call break call breaks out among uh, the fans in Budokan Hall. Uh, Vader misses another corner splash, and Kobashi nails him in the left knee with a series of drop kicks to that particular body part. There's a dragon screw leg whip, and, and then turns it into a uh, into an ankle lock, and then a, and then a heel hook with a grapevine. So, mm. uh, you know, Kobashi also been watching maybe some uh, UWFI, maybe some rings at this point. Uh, there's another drop kick to the left leg, and then Kobashi turns Vader over in a single leg Boston Crab, which which this I love this part of the match because it elicits this amazing cry of pain from Vader that yeah. uh, you know like which you, you don't really hear too often in the career of Big Van Vader he he doesn't really elicit too many cries of pain no but so one of the things I think the the key to Vader is and always has been his selling like he is called a monster but he's not a monster he's just a very large skillful human being who's hard to keep down and what he does is he sells you enough to make you think this is the time your hero is going to finally scale the mountain and beat him. He's not he's not a no-selling stiff by by any stretch of the imagination and never has been. He sells a lot in his matches. Yes. But I just think, you know, like the just this this cry was just so mm. realistic to me that I'm thinking, oh, he must have torqued <laughs> something accidentally like Kabashi. Uh, on Vader that, that that elicited like a legit cry of pain from him. But uh, regardless, Vader is too close to the ropes. He he escapes the move by grabbing them. Uh, there's another strike exchange, and then Vader tosses Kobashi out of the ring with a backdrop. He falls up with a diving splash from the apron to the floor. So also another big, you know, great point about Vader is he is, for a man his size, he's incredibly agile, and he's not afraid to do like like high-risk moves, like where he's le- leaving his feet. No, absolutely not. I mean, he is he, he is an all-rounder. Like, you know, he the people think of him as being like the big brawler, but like he shows in this match he he can do that part. He can wrestle as we saw earlier on. Like he can do the submission style as we saw earlier on and as we will get to towards the end of the match can do the flying as well at 44 years old and 350 pounds or whatever he is at the time. Uh, Vader dominates Kobashi and then goes for another flying splash, uh, another flying splash from the second rope. But Kobashi catches him in midair with a power slam, with a power slam. Sorry, very Vader, impressive. Vader loves that spot. He does it in loads of his big matches. I've seen him do it with Sting, Shawn Michaels, Kobashi, like all over the place. Uh, there are sometimes where he does it the other way around, where he's the one doing the power slam. But like I, yeah, it, it's one of his it's one of his favorite signature bumps to chuck in. Uh, Kobashi stops Vader from hitting a moonsault and tosses him down with a power bomb and gets him over with a German suplex. Uh, Kobashi then lands his moonsault, but Vader kicks out. Uh, Kobashi misses two running lariats, but Vader takes him over with a German. 
Uh, Vader lands his moonsault, but Kobashi kicks out it too. And this crowd is on fire because you think, okay, Vader's winning the match mm-hmm. with this moonsault. But nope, Kobashi is, uh, Kobashi is not going to die at this point in the match. There's Vader then hits his signature power bomb, and Kobashi kicks out of that. This crowd's going nuts because they're like, he's just not being killed by Vader with his signature moves here. Uh, Vader hits another running splash and uh, and lands on Kobashi for the one, two, and three. And he wins the champion carnival in 19 minutes and 11 seconds. So it's it's interesting. Like So all these moves that would normally win a lot of his matches previously, the Moonsault and the Power Palm, these were to wear down Kobashi enough where basically like the Vader attack, like what you call what you dub the Vader attack is yeah. what actually wins the match for him. But it's not just wearing down. He does try to pin after each one. And you see after the power bomb, Vader gets up and he's like to the ref and to the crowd. What do I have to do to keep him down? And he's just like, screw it and runs at him and happens to fall on top of him and basically just smothers Kobashi's head and chest uh, to to get the win. Um, I really like the last five minutes of this match. Uh, the, all the big near falls, the crowd are going crazy. Uh, basically everything from uh, that, that leap into the power slam onwards. Um, I laughed very much. I know it's the get ready. Something's coming signal from Kabashi, but he, he, he chops Vader on the butt cheek as Vader is on the top rope to get him ready for the power bomb. And that just made me laugh. Um, yeah, like the crowd going crazy, them hitting each other with the big stuff, Kobashi refusing to die, and Vader having to resort to just crushing him and smothering him to get the win. Great stuff. I think overall I prefer the January match, but like this is still this is still great to me. I mean, so this cage match uh, users give this an average of a 7 out of 10. Uh, Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer gave it four stars. I'll give it a solid four stars. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. Like Dave, I think Dave gave the January one four and a quarter. It's a solid match. Yeah, absolutely. That that hints at becoming an epic at times, but ends before it can get into that kind of all Japan five-star range. Uh, Mm. uh, Still, don't get me wrong. I don't think every match, especially including like, you know, something like the Champions Carnival final has to, hit a 30 minute mark to be good. I don't yeah. think it's, I think for, for, to, for variety, you should, you should have matches that end a bit sooner than what people expect. I think G1 climax final should, you know, you should adopt the same kind of philosophy, to be honest with you. You should end sooner than you expect. And they should end with uh, a move you don't expect. Like uh, I, I love, I love wrestling. I've loved wrestling my whole life. I, I see a lot of patterned wrestling. I see, I call it finisher progress, like where you know that the, it's not going to end until someone hits their finish. And growing up on World of Sport, where it was two out of three falls and rounds, and nobody had a finish apart from Mark Rocco, perhaps who did a tombstone. Um, and then WCW, where the main event of Worldwide each week would usually end with an inside cradle rather than somebody's finisher. Like, I, I like that in wrestling as much as I like, I love the Vader power bomb and you know, that should be his killer move. I love that. He had to resort to just basically a, a bully tactic of using his body weight to get the win. Like I, it was, unex, it was unexpected. Like I expected him to win. I didn't expect him to win like that when I first saw this match. 
So with that, uh, the aftermath of Vader winning the champion carnival is he would defend the Triple Crown against Mitsuhara Misawa and drop the title to him on May 2nd. Uh, Vader would regain the Triple Crown on May 30th, uh, defeating Misawa at Budokan Hall. So it's kind of a weird pop-potatoing of the title. I, I... I didn't really look at the dates, but I did kind of have a quick look at Vader's singles record. And he pins all four pillars in singles matches in the space of a year, wins the vacant Triple Crown, wins Champion Carnival, wins the Triple Crown again over Misawa. And the only people who beat him in singles matches are Misawa and Kobashi. Like, he was very well looked after by All Japan Pro. Oh, yeah. So, like, you could tell, like, you know, he's part of a strategy that. Pretty much Misawa is at this point booking the company in mm. 99 that he is like, okay, he's going to be our top foreign star. Yeah. And because like we, we were, you know, Hanson's too old now. Steve Williams is too beat up. He can't do it. Johnny Ace is never going to be that. Um, Gary Albright is a good mid card guy. You can't, you like that, which I, I think they were never going to really push Gary Albright as a top foreign guy. But you have Vader, who's a who is already a star in New Japan, who is a star in WCW. Yep. Who he's a, he's a powerful yeah. force to overcome. He's a multi-time world champion in at least four different promotions before he even gets to All Japan. Yeah. And so he, as we see, he's I've I've mentioned his age now three times, forty-four years old, but he's still got it. He can still turn it on in in the big matches. Yeah, so this is the thing with Vegas is much cash pan in BF. Like this strong is like listen, forget all the stuff he did two years ago in America. He's here. He's in it in because he makes a renaissance in his career. People are talking about him in a positive manner again. As opposed to like the last, you know, year and a half of the front, and like this key title reign last for for until two can two thousand hall, and then pretty much wraps up, you know, like the significant part of his all Japan career because then he would actually join the Exodus to go to Pro with, you know, Masao Kobashi and 90% mm. of the All Japan roster. So he, him and, he, him and uh, Tuchel Scorpio are going to mm. team up there. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, it was interesting. I always thought it was interesting how leg- le- the legit friendship between, you know, yeah. uh, Leon White and, and Vader and, 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 and Tuchel Scorpio. Like, and I thought that's a pretty interesting, like, grouping to have them be tag team partners on undercard matches. Hmm. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I've got all the time in the world for Two Cold Scorpio as well. He also came along while I was watching WCW, Ron Simmons' mystery partner, whatever clash it was at the end of 92. And a kid who didn't watch wrestling came up to me in the playground the next day and was like, did you see that Two Cool Scorpion guy on TV? Because he had done his his flips and he'd made an impression on this kid who just happened to be watching wrestling. Yeah, I love Scorpio. But yeah, like Scorpio so, and Vader, uh, is, this kind of oddball tag team is is real interesting. Yeah, I think like if you if you had like if the split doesn't happen, I think what would have what would have happened was Vader would have formed his own unit, and I mm-hmm. think it would have been him and Scorpio, maybe Gary Albright as part of that, maybe like uh, Jim Steele or you know George Hines, <laughs> one of those guys would be like there's a pin eater. 
no. Well, he it would have been one of the, they needed they would need a pin eater, so it would have been one of those guys or something, someone of along that level. But yeah, uh, yeah this uh, this Wolfright's dead in in January of two thousand, isn't he? He dies pretty like early, yeah. but you know, like there's a short period I think where they do team up a couple of times on a tour. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen Vader. a tag match uh, of those two against Kobashi and Akiyama. I mean, that's a stylistically that's a great pairing because like Albright yeah. like loves throwing people around with suplexes. Yeah. He has like the shoot background, yeah. And like I think if like if you know like if he didn't die like and Invader team up, I think they would have had you know kind of a another version of like the williams and gordy tag team in sure, Champion Carnival 2000 uh, sorry uh tag league 2000 perhaps yeah so it's uh yeah it's i mean gary albert is is a is a is a shame like him dying at, yeah, at, at that time and at such a young age as well but uh kieran this brings us to the end of of this review uh thank you very much it's been a long time since i've seen this match so it was really nice revisiting it. And, and uh, I appreciate like a lot of the context you brought with like, have, I didn't watch the other matches that you, that, uh, you know, not uh, you, you watched January match recently. Oh, like, I had to uh, come prepared. Know. If I hadn't done my homework, I was worried about getting eaten alive. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Not at all. But uh, again, yeah. Like, so people can find you at must see matches. Where can people find you on social media? Yeah, so we are at Must See Matches on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Mastodon. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the show, you should go to linktr.ee slash matches, and that's all the way subscribed. It's got links to Mark's writings and posts. It's got a link to the entire list of, I think it's 1,066 unique matches that were nominated for the project. As I said, we're on the show, we're covering the top 104. Uh, recent episodes include JP Houlihan from Grapple Spotlight talking Bret Hart versus Steve Austin from Survivor Series 96 uh, wrestler and commentator Sean Orleans talking AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura from Wrestle Kingdom 10 and Jamie O'D from Dramatic DDT talking the Akito versus Asuka not that one uh, Ippon Light Tube Deathmatch from DDT which is one of my favourite matches I love that match uh, I am uh, at Kieran Edits on Twitter uh, and yeah that's uh, that's where we can be found yeah, and uh, of course, you can find me. Most of my stuff is at postwrestling.com. I'm also doing uh, Star Wars reviews with JP Hulan or yeah. Red Gravel. Uh, check that out. Uh, I think these are usually on the free feed, so you don't have to be a patron to to listen to those. Uh, yeah, I got Post Perez coming up. We're going to have the return of MCU later, I, I think, with Secret Invasion sooner rather than later, though they have not announced an air date for those. Um, but yeah, like I've been stuck away with John. comic when i was oh seven. is it i still have it the it's the uk imprint but i still have it today uh it's dated like sometime in 86 i still i i have that yeah secret wars it's got ultron grabbing uh, uh human very... leg on the front cover ah so i <laughs> i i think there's like that's like a milestone marvel comic uh, yeah. with secret wars coming up in the mcu i think it's going to be more based on the uh, late to, mid 2000s uh, uh 2000, what is it 2016 series rather than mm, yeah the, the 1980s series but uh yeah we'll be talking about that in the the coming nice. years on mcu later as well <laughs> but uh at wh park nine you can find me and uh yeah we're gonna come back next month with 
someone. I haven't just booked the, the guest. <laughs> we'll, we'll have the someone coming on next month to talk about something from All Japan in the 90s or maybe Pro Wrestling Noah or, you know, All Japan in the 80s. Sometimes we, we delve outside the uh, the sandbox every once in a while. But, uh, Karen, thank you so much for, for joining us. To all the people who have been supporting the uh, the show through... Uh, oh, I should actually, before we go, uh, I have to thank uh, James Edwards and uh, Sarah... Sarah Mock with the silent H at the end. I, if I have said it wrong, I, but uh, thank you for buying the, uh, the long and winding railroad t-shirts. I really appreciate your support on that. And uh, until next time to everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.